Greetings and welcome to the Transform Podcast. This is episode 39, and it's Friday, February 25th, 2022, and I'm your host, Christopher Anastasio. So welcome back, guys, uh, to our second episode this week. Um, If you didn't have a chance to catch it, uh, earlier in the week, uh, I believe it was on Wednesday, uh, we published episode 38, which was all about, kind of at a macro level, the benefits of uh, live streaming, you know, going live on your platform of choice, using that live stream video to then repurpose the video across other platforms, things like that. Uh, so if you've ever toyed with the idea of going live, if you need more video content, if you, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're ready to break through <laughs> and take that risk, I really encourage you to listen to that episode. It's a great kind of intro. Uh, we're not going to stop there. There's a lot more tactically to discuss on that subject, but Uh, Definitely something that you guys could, um, I think, benefit from uh, if you're at all comfortable on video. uh, Tremendous boost to your credibility and your your brand authority by going live and putting yourself out there in an unscripted forum. Okay, so definitely check that out if you guys get a chance. Um, Today, actually, uh, it's going to be a little bit more of an unstructured, I don't want to call it a rant because rant has a negative uh, connotation to it and it's definitely not meant to be negative at all. Um, but it's, it's more of an unstructured musing on the very notion that just about anybody listening to this podcast right now is much, much more than likely not, N-O-T, not creating enough content on social media to get to the level that you need to get to if you're envisioning yourself as a brand instead of a business. You know, if if you're saying to yourself, look, Chris, I really, really, really want to scale my business to the extent that, hey, you know, at some point I don't have to be inside the business. I can work on the business, but I'm not sort of trapped inside its sort of hamster wheel. And I've and I've kind of elevated myself to that point where I'm not even really selling anymore. I'm basically, you know, my my brand does the selling and I'm no longer a commodity and so on and so forth. And there's a lot of material on this podcast about that. And I may not remember the exact episode numbers, but you know, if you guys look at the um if you guys look at uh some of the episodes that I did on the three stages of marketing, uh which was probably back in the teens somewhere, like maybe episode 19 or so. Uh if you look at like no like and trust series 31 through 33, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of stuff out there about this concept of of escalating your brand or your business into that into that brand kind of sphere. Uh, where, where you just don't even have to sell anymore. Like you're, you're literally just publishing content and the content is just bringing people to you and there's, there's no discussion of, of, of um, the transactional nature uh, of, of, the, of, the, uh, of the business. It's just they, they just want to work with you. I mean, they've, they've grown to know you. They've grown to like you. They've grown to trust, they've grown to trust you. Um, so definitely, I, I would definitely start with that series. I think I've said before, that's actually the first three episodes anybody should listen to in this podcast, 31, 32, 33. But, you know, I was musing about this, uh, over the last several days, just, you know, working with different clients and, and different, you know, people that I come into contact with who are in this world, uh, this digital marketing, social media marketing world. And it's like, it's just, you know, nobody's producing enough content. I mean, I honestly, like, you know, at transform here, you can, you can, uh, level the same indictment against us. I mean, we're always striving, obviously, to do more and to set the example. But you know, you can always do more than that. And I think you know, th- there's a, inherently a trap there 
that you can get caught in, or I could get caught in, I mean, you guys could even call me out on it, is that, you know, if, it, if it's never enough, then it doesn't end, right? There's no, there's no end point to it, so, so there's no point in trying to get there because you'll never get there, right? So I totally understand that, guys. I think that's, that's obviously a common objection uh, to this. And there's, there's some people out there, just personally speaking, uh, that I follow online, I've learned a lot from, and they are, they are adamantly... Uh, they adamantly object to this approach. Uh, they're actually minimalist, uh, 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 you know, from an entity perspective, whether it's the personality, whether it's their business, whether it's both. Uh, and they actually use very little social media. So, so there is an argument against this, guys. And I, and I want to be very clear about that. I want to I point that out because I want to be above board here. And I think there's something to be said about you as the listener of this podcast being introspective about well, which category do I fall into? And I think there's, you know, just to kind of outline that a little bit better, let's look at the two extremes here for a moment before we get into the core message of this podcast, which is you are not producing enough content and, and, and how can you produce enough content? Um, but when you look at the, the two ends of the spectrum, there's a world out there that says that, um, you know, social media is a distraction. It's, it's an ancillary activity. It's not the core activity you should be focused on. You know, maybe you do just enough of it to have a presence and so you're not like totally missing from social media when somebody, let's say, looks you up or looks up your business and that you should just be honing your craft. You know, if you're a, if you're a tax preparer, if you're a financial advisor, if you, if you sell widgets, you know, whatever the case might be, there's a case to be made that all you should be doing is, is being the best at that thing that your business centers around and then let the social media stuff just fall where it may. And, you know, a lot of clients and prospects that I've, that I've spoken to, um, they're coming from that angle and they're saying, look, Chris, I don't need any digital marketing help because I just get word of mouth. I mean, you know, I do such a good job, let's say, you know, preparing taxes, for example, that I get people, you know, who I'm preparing taxes for sending me more people. So the marketing is taking care of itself. And to those individuals, I say, outstanding. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're providing a robust and qualitative enough service that you've got loads of, of people coming into your business, or even if it's not loads, if it's, if it's a trickle, but that's enough for you, congratulations. I mean, you've actually kind of like hacked a way to grow your business without lifting a finger, right? Besides, you know, from a marketing perspective. I mean, obviously you're, you're doing the work on the tax returns and you're doing a great job of it, but I'm saying from a marketing standpoint, you're doing nothing, right? I mean, the marketing is the quality work that you're delivering, right? So I, I, I've heard that argument a lot of times and I understand it. I, I, it's hard to even argue against it. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you have to gauge the person's mindset. You know, are they looking for more of a passive way to grow their business where it's not going to take them a lot of effort and it's not going to take much creativity. It's just going to happen organically and it's just going to happen as a natural byproduct of, of them doing their business, right? So if you know that's the person's mindset, then yeah, they're going to comfortably fall into that category. And yeah, there's no marketing to be sold to them. You know what I mean? But there's another, so let's go to the other end of the spectrum here. There's an, an end of the spectrum that says, wait a second, you know, this is, you know, this first argument that I laid out is, is bunk. And basically what we really are living in is a world that is trending more and more and more and more towards living online. I mean, almost literally, like eventually when the metaverse is fully built out and everybody's got a pair of goggles on, yeah, we will live in the metaverse. Like we will not, we will not even be doing much in the real, you know, the corporeal world. 
that we that we know as reality now. Now that's a very far extreme. I think there are people who would, you know, flinch at hearing that. Um, and, and to a certain extent, I flinch at hearing that because it's so, you know, I mean, you know, as a, uh, as a Gen Xer, I mean, that, that's a pretty big leap, right? In terms of like what's going to happen with, uh, you know, living online and being online and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to say a person is like attached to their smartphone and it's another thing to say somebody's inside their smartphone 24-7. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's still a, a pretty big leap. But I digress. The point is that there's there's this opposite argument to the first one I made that everything is just going further and further and deeper and deeper into the web known as the Internet and, and the Internet sort of 3.0 being the metaverse and sort of existing inside of virtual reality and, 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 and all the implications that come with that. So... So, so there's a case to be made that as that digital real estate gets more valuable because people spend more time there and people do more things there, they transact there more often or they, or they completely transact there. And, and not just that they transact there, but, they, but the, whole, the whole selling cycle and the whole, the whole execution cycle exists in the Web 3.0 construct. Then you start to see how you could make an argument that if you are not producing large quantities of content, which is sort of the digital bait that, that hooks and lures somebody into your corner of the internet, right? I mean, it's, it's a vast, infinite galaxy, right? So you've got to try to, you know, sort of aggregate people to your corner where your business exists. And if you're not dropping that bait, if you're not putting that material out there for them to come across and follow the breadcrumb trail back to you, then you just sort of disappear. You just become completely irrelevant, right? I mean, you, you know, you, you may think you're on the internet, right? You might think you're available digitally, but you're in this vast infinite space and you're doing nothing to attract people to your corner, your tiny little corner in that infinite. I mean, think about it, you know, it's like, think of the universe, think of space. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's basically that size, right? I mean, when you think about the internet from a digital perspective, um, it's, it's, it's like the entire universe, right? There's no end to it. There's no, oh, we've reached capacity. Nobody else can join the internet. Nobody else can you know, produce content. It's, it, it has no cap to it, right? So because you're, because there's, pl- you know, there's pluses and minuses to that, right? The, the plus is there's room for everybody and everybody can participate and everybody gets a little piece of digital real estate to, to, to situate themselves on top of, right? But the, but the negative is that you get lost instantaneously if you're not, if you're not sort of fighting that, 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 um, that, that, that tendency to, to sort of be lost in all the noise, right? You have to sort of firefight that at all times by saying, okay, if I don't do anything online here, if I'm not active on social media and I'm not putting this bait out there to, 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 to attract people to my corner of the internet, then I just disappear. I just, I just eventually become a complete unknown and nobody ever knows who I am. Nobody ever transacts with me. Nobody ever seeks me out uh, to transact with. And I disappear. It's as if I don't exist. Now, it's, it's hard. I understand, you know, going to that extreme, I understand. If you have a brick-and-mortar business right now, you know, you sit in an office or you have, you know, people calling in, let's say, off your website. They're, they're calling in to book, you know, you know, sessions with you or appointments or buy your product, whatever. This is, like, totally foreign to you. You know, you're probably sitting there thinking, yeah, Chris, I'm not even going to live in a period of time where it's like the second, you know, the, the, the second, um, 
uh, description that I that I provided there, the second world where everything's online and everything's, you know, everything's gone Web 3.0 and stuff like that that I just outlined. You could definitely make that argument. You say, hey, you know, like, yeah, Chris, you know, I'm 45 years old and I got a thriving business and I'm never, ever going to have to worry about what you just said. And that may very well be true. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily here to argue which one is right or wrong, but I'm more so here to argue that if you believe in and you've bought into the importance of your digital presence, if you say, yeah, Chris, I believe it's important for me to be present digitally. I believe it's important for me to be identifiable and discoverable online, right? Then I'm here to point out to you without even looking at your social media or your digital footprint, you're not producing enough content. Okay, so, you know, now if you go the other way and say, Chris, I don't believe in it, I don't care, I just need to be there and check a box, then I'm never going to convince you of what I'm about to, to, to point out. And, you know, it's kind of a, this whole, this whole podcast would become instantly irrelevant to you. Okay, so again, not right or wrong, but just where is your mindset at and how do you perceive it and how do you view it? And I think that's really the key uh, to this entire this entire argument that I'm making both in this podcast and as a thread through other podcasts. Uh, when I've made some of the other arguments about the importance of being, uh, you know, identifiable and discoverable and so on and so forth. Okay. So, so let's, so let's talk about this a little bit. Let's say you've accepted this premise or you're, you're willing maybe to accept it. Maybe you haven't even put enough thought into it to say which one you really fall out on. Right. And you're like, Hey Chris, I'm not even sure I know which way I feel, but I'm, I'm open to the discussion. I'm open to the possibility. So then I would say, okay, so, you know, let, let's work from that point. Are you producing enough content? Well, most people who are posting on social media, they're doing some version of the following. Uh, let's say, let's just start with somebody who has a website and they have a blog. Okay, I, I write a blog post, I post it on my website. Maybe I take the blog post and I put it over on Facebook, for example. I just cut and paste, put it over on Facebook. Maybe I'm even enterprising enough to cut and paste and put it over on LinkedIn. And then, you know, maybe when I get around to it, I tweet out the link to the blog post. And maybe, if I'm lucky, all four of those things happen in one day. And that person feels very accomplished. They're like, hey, you know, I posted on three platforms. I got on Facebook, I got on, I got on LinkedIn, and I got a, I got a Twitter uh, link out there. And oh, by the way, it's also on my blog, so I'm doing great. Well, I would argue that that is woefully woefully short of where you should be. And I think that's a little bit of a shock to most people. Uh, I think most people who are doing even that much would be like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm spending half my day like posting this stuff on these platforms. Like, what do you mean it's not enough? And so the reason I say it's not enough from a more tactical perspective is, you know, I've talked a lot about my, one of my digital mentors, um, you know, again, he doesn't know it, but one of my digital mentors, Gary Vaynerchuk, back in November 2019, this is a resource that actually is one of the centerpieces of this podcast episode, and we're going to provide this link uh, to you guys in the um, in the show notes. Uh, so when you check the description, you should find the link there. Uh, if you if you don't find it there for some strange reason, we'll direct you over uh, to where you can find it. But in November 2019, on his 44th birthday. Uh, and it's it's strange. Uh, Gary and I's birthday is very close. We're about a month apart in uh, in the same year. So so his 44th birthday in 2019, uh, mid November, he published a slide deck on his website, and of course you know shot it out on all the social media platforms. Uh, 
titled, and this is a pretty close uh, quotation of the title, though it may not be exact, but it was like, how to create 64 pieces of content in a day. Okay, and I mean, just like, you know, just like hearing that, you know, most people are like, what? 64 pieces of content? Like, forget it. Like, what a waste of time. You know what I mean? Like, you know, or, 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 and, or that's impossible, right? I mean, most people, I mean, I, I'm a fan of the guy that was like, what is he talking about? I mean, 64 pieces of content, you know, that's, that's impossible, right? And I'm, and I'm one of his devoted disciples, right? So, so it's kind of humorous in that regard to think of it that way, but you know, I, I read the deck when it came out. It was actually kind of a highly anticipated drop at the time that he was he was building up to. So the day it came out, you know, I read the deck. It was 270 slides, uh, but don't be intimidated by that. It's actually you'll you'll fly through it in probably like five minutes because each each slide is like very graphically driven and has like just a few words on it. Um, but, so it's more of like a flip story that you can go through very very quickly. But um, but anyway, I read it as soon as it came out. I read it again, you know, probably at least one or two more times back in that time frame. And then I just flipped through it again in, in preparation for this podcast because I kind of wanted to refresh my memory a little bit about it. And what struck me about it this latest time that I looked at it is just how realistic it actually is. And I think, again, you know, for somebody who's even, even willing to entertain the notion that they need to pr- produce a lot more content, so if you're, if you're even in this camp... It's going to be hard to believe. I mean, it's going to be like, hey, you know, uh, okay, Chris, like, I still don't get it. I still don't understand how I can produce that much content. Like, I just, no matter what you tell me, I'm going to think that I can't do it, right? So I would really encourage you guys to take a look at this thing, and and, and obviously you're going to understand the podcast that I'm doing right now even better when you've looked at the slide deck. It's probably going to be a bit of a deficiency right now because you haven't looked at it most likely. But what I would say is... the value of the deck is it's very, very tactically driven. So it's actually showing you how the production of one piece of content, let's say, for example, a tweet. Okay, so you send out a tweet uh, from, let's say, your company Twitter account, right? So you have one piece of content there, right? And then the deck is going to show you how tactically you take that same piece of content, you, um, you know, for example, or this is one of many examples in there, you know, you screenshot it and you post it on Instagram right? So let's say you post it in your newsfeed on Instagram, and you've captioned it and so forth. And then you take that uh, post on Instagram, and now you put it out as a story. So it goes out in your stories, and it's on your newsfeed. So you can count those as two pieces of content there, right? So then, you know, you've got the tweet and the two pieces of content on Instagram. Then you take that same tweet, the screenshot, let's say, you know, assuming it's professionally rendered or, or whatnot, uh, you, you know, and it's and it's contextual to to the platform. I mean, you don't you know if you're if you're posting something that has non-professional language in it, then I wouldn't suggest this. But you could then take it and uh, post the same picture or the words from the tweet, just the words. You don't have to necessarily take the picture of the tweet. You can post that on LinkedIn, maybe flesh it out a little bit further uh, with more context, and then post the same thing that you posted there on LinkedIn over on Facebook, and so. And I actually ad-libbed some of that. Some of that is not in the deck. Some of it is. But I just kind of wanted to flow with it here with you uh, sort of live as I do this podcast. But the point is, that one tweet became five pieces of content. One on Twitter, two on Instagram, one on uh, LinkedIn, and one on Facebook. And actually, if you turn the Facebook uh, uh, post into a story, you can get six out of it. Right? So people, you know, first of all, most people who I would tell that to... And I'm going to come back, and I want to I want to kind of point some things out about that workflow that I just went through in a moment. Uh, so we'll come back to it. 
But most people, if I just did that right there, that, that progression of six pieces of content, they'd say, whoa, wait a second. Uh, but it's the same thing. It's, it's the same thing I put in the tweet. So how is it a piece of content? And so right there, there's a mind shift that takes place with somebody who's open-minded about this because they've suddenly realized that it's not so much about producing some wildly original set of words or images or video every single post on every single platform. It's more about distribution and contextualization, right? So distribution and contextualization. So you started with a thought on Twitter, you then distributed it across multiple delivery mechanisms, okay, or platforms, or, or you know, even within that platform, a couple different delivery methods, such as Instagram, Newsfeed, and Stories. And then you contextualize. So for example, so now I'm going to return to the workflow, the tweet was probably the quickest thing to do in terms of uh, the, the thought itself, because let's say it's a, a sentence or two, right? So you've, you've typed out a sentence or two, and boom, you tweeted it out. And then when you took it over to Instagram and you posted it in your newsfeed, now you have a little bit of a longer caption to it, perhaps. So you're, you're explaining maybe like the story, quote unquote, behind the tweet, right? So you have a one or two line tweet, and then you have maybe a four or five line caption that's explaining the, the story behind the tweet or the, or the intent behind the tweet, right? Then when you bring it over to LinkedIn, maybe you're expanding a little bit more. You're giving a little bit more context. Maybe you're even not necessarily giving more, but you're sort of shifting the context slightly over to something a little bit more professional, something a little bit more polished. And then you're taking that and you're bringing it over to Facebook. And maybe the only change you're making when you go to Facebook to contextualize it is you're saying, hey, Facebook, at the top of it. So the words are all the same that you brought over from LinkedIn, but you've now contextualized to Facebook by just mentioning Facebook and, and sort of isolating that user group, that audience, and making them feel like you're talking directly to them, right? So, so, so there is a little bit of fluctuation to the original thought. There's a little bit of tweaking and, and, and sort of you know adjusting to the platform you're on. But all of this is happening in very short order. I mean, the creation of the first tweet, you know, maybe that took you 30 seconds to type out and send. And then, you know, when you go over to Instagram, it's another minute, and you go over to LinkedIn, it's another minute, and you go over to Facebook, it's another minute. So within five minutes or less, you have six pieces of content, okay? Now, maybe, you know, maybe later in that day, you have a little bit of, of time on your hands to go a little bit deeper with the same tweet. Now you record, let's say, an audio clip where you're actually using your voice to deliver the nearly exact same message but in a different delivery format, right? So, so for the people who had a chance to read, because let's say they're you know waiting on the subway or they're they're working at their desk and they took a break or whatever, and and text is the best format for them, you accommodated them with those textual uh, updates and posts that you made, right? But let's say you're talking to somebody now who's you know at home doing the dishes or you know doing laundry or something like that, and they've got their earphones in and they come across your content and they want to listen to it and multitask. Now you've accommodated them. So the message didn't really change. It's the same message from the tweet, same message from all those reposts and distribution that you did, but now you're delivering it in an audio format. And you're not necessarily you know, verbatim reading it, but you're just kind of like adding some exposition to it. And you're just talking about it for a minute or two or three or four. And it's almost like a mini podcast, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be... A, you know, it doesn't have to technically be a podcast that you're, let's say, publishing on Anchor, like we do here at Transform. So I don't mean that literally, but it could mean it literally. You could say, yeah, okay, Chris, I, I get it. Like, I kind of see what you mean. Like, I can go real short with it, just throw it out as an audio clip on one of these uh, platforms. Uh, so, it, so it's now appearing sort of in two different ways. 
uh, to, to my, you know, to my, uh, to my audience. And there's an, just enough of a change to it to justify it being two different posts. It's not like a complete replicate of, of the first one. Okay. And then, and then, yeah, maybe, maybe it's long enough to say, okay, I'm also going to publish it as a podcast. I mean, trust me, I have heard podcasts that are a few minutes long. I mean, there's no rule to your podcast. I mean, you know, one of the guys that I follow, uh, Russell Brunson, his very first podcast, Mar- uh, Marketing in the Car, I think it was called, or, or Marketing in a Car, um, when it, before he was kind of famous with ClickFunnels and, and, and the whole, you know, the whole, you know, uh, um, explosion to his popularity and so forth that happened with that. Uh, when he was doing that first podcast, I mean, his, his podcasts, he said, were less than 10 minutes long. I mean, he was driving like to and from work, I believe it was, or to wherever he was working on um, uh, his current project, and he would just knock a podcast out in the car. So, so now all of a sudden, going back to the original tweet, you know, the original thought in that first piece of content that we talked about, that tweet, now you've got an audio clip that expands on it some, that adds exposition to it. That audio clip can be posted on these platforms. That audio clip can become a podcast. And that audio clip can be transcribed back into text. I mean, let's say you do an audio clip and you kind of hit upon a little piece of gold and you're like, yeah, you know what? I actually like the way I described that first uh, tweet you know, I like the way I described it audio-wise, so now I want to go ahead and turn that back into text, and I'll use that text for, for content for the next round of posts or whatever, okay? So a lot of what this comes down to, guys, and I don't want to stay too tactical the whole time here because I really think that the slide deck that I'm talking about is really going to, to give you those tactics. So let's not, let's not dwell too much on them here. But I, I just kind of, for, you know, to give you sort of some orientation, if you've never seen the deck, I, I think it was important to do that. Um, but I think what we're really talking about here, guys, and I, I'm definitely sure I've used this term before in here, but you know, honestly, this alone could have been another podcast. But it's the, this idea of pillar content versus micro content. You know, pillar content is it, it's kind of a loose definition, but it's it's content that has enough meat to it that it can serve be served whole or served in part. Okay, so when you think about pillar content. This is where you're talking about some of the lengthier or just more robust pieces of content you can put out there. So it's a seven-minute video that could become seven one-minute videos, right? So that's the pillar and the micro. Uh, it could be a 45-minute podcast that can become, you know, eight, you know, two-minute clips that, 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 that get distributed in different ways uh, afterwards, right? So that's the pillar and the micro. It could be, you know, a 7,000-word blog post that becomes, you know, 800 you know, <laughs> I'm being a little bit exaggerative, but it can be, you know, 800 one-liner tweets, right? So again, the pillar is the huge blog post and the micro is the, is the many tweets that can come out of it, right? So, so in a totally different deck, uh, you could look it up. Uh, you know, Gary's team put out an entire deck on pillar and micro content, and I most likely will do a separate podcast where I dig into that a little bit more. But the point is, when you're creating both types and you understand the importance of both types then the idea that 64 pieces of content is impossible kind of melts away. And you start to realize, well, wait a second. Yeah, if I, if I do sit down for 30 minutes and do a podcast and I can carve that amount of time out of the day, I've actually, by doing that one podcast, produced 5, 10, 15 pieces of content because I can do so much with it. 
I can chop it up. I can redistribute the audio. I can, I can turn it into a video on YouTube by putting some images behind it, sort of like a slideshow. I can, I can, I can transcribe it. And now I have a, excuse me, I have a crap load of text that I can then repurpose into other blog posts, you know, tweets, LinkedIn posts, Facebook posts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I think buying in, and you know, I guess there's an argument to be made that should have been the first podcast and then this one, but the idea of pillar, the idea of pillar and, um, and, um, micro content is so important because it's the foundation of everything I'm talking about in this podcast and, and, and why it is realistic, you know, beyond what you would expect beyond your initial probably reaction to, oh my God, 64 pieces of content in a day, forget it. You can get there if you understand this concept of pillar and micro content and the power of distribution, okay, and why it's important to distribute across many platforms, even if you're not an expert on those platforms, right? Just being present there and making sure that your voice is being heard there, there is value to that. So once you've bought into that concept, you now understand why one piece of content can really be eight because it can show up and live on all these other distribution platforms, right? So, so there's just kind of a, there's a mindset shift required there. There's an awareness shift like, okay, Chris, I got it. I now think a little bit differently about what the definition of content is. And I understand that replicating it with slight contextual changes for that native platform is really all that's required. It does not require a brand new effort, a brand new idea, a brand new, you know, start from scratch kind of approach, right? So, so there's just so much there that becomes possible when you make those mind, those mindset shifts. Okay. Um, and again, you know, so, so, so I kind of want to take you from the tactical up a level there to this idea of pillar versus, uh, versus micro content. And like I said, I, I think it's worth doing a podcast that really just kind of focuses on that, you know, focuses on that, and also, you know, I'll, I'll pull some uh, some direct reference from that that deck that uh, the VaynerMedia team made about pillar and micro content. That, I think that's an important one to isolate and talk about. But for the sake of this podcast, I think you kind of get it. You know, there, there's big pieces of content that are very divisible, and then there's those micro pieces that come out and show up on some of you know the more visual platforms like Instagram or TikTok or or whatnot. Okay, so. Embracing that and understanding that, it just it just opens up a whole new range of possibilities as to what you can do with your content and with your messaging. And now to go back up a level and kind of wrap things up on this podcast, um, all of this, everything I talked about in this podcast, and I'm, and I'm kind of going back to my very first point uh, in this episode, is all leading back to the premise that expanding and and enlarging your digital footprint is the key to turning your business into a brand. It's the key to never having to quote unquote sell anyone again. Because now you have moved away from commoditization. You are an entity unto yourself. There is no one else like you. There is no one else perceived the way you're perceived. And now you stand alone. And your product and or your service stands alone. And the mass publication of content, you know, sort of drives people towards that perception. Because they literally, they literally begin to view you as an absolute authority 
on that subject who is completely unique. Because if you're, if you're producing all this content and you're doing it the right way, quote unquote, which is pure authenticity, you're always being yourself, you're not, you know, I mean, like, obviously, you know, it's funny because Gary deals with this. I mean, if you, let's say, curse a lot, you know, maybe you remove the cursing, okay? <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, and that's, that's arguable. Some people would say you shouldn't even do that. But the point is, you are yourself. You don't try to be anybody you're not. You don't try to act like you've done anything you haven't done. You're, you're just literally taking your real self and publishing it and publishing that um, on these platforms in this, in this manner that we've talked about in this, in, in this episode. And so as you do that, there's no one else like you. So you, you, you just, right off the bat, separate yourself because, because you are unique. And then you're pairing that uniqueness with the authority that comes with all the information that you're putting out there, all the content that you're publishing. And suddenly somebody's like, okay, there's only one Chris, and Chris is coming across to me as authoritative and credible on this subject. And so the fusing of those two realities creates creates that perception, you know, which obviously marries to reality, um, but it creates that perception in their mind that, oh my God, this, okay, this is the person I want to listen to on this subject. Like, if I want to listen to somebody about taxes, I go to this guy. If I want to listen to somebody about financial advice, I go to this person. If I want to listen to somebody about, you know, widgets, I go to this person. And, and they begin to sort of reflexively associate you with that industry, that, that, that service, that product, whatever the case may be. Okay. But in this, in this world known as the internet, where people are spending more and more and more time, the importance of digital bait. Okay. It's kind of an indelicate term, but it's another word for content, right? The importance of that digital bait and that content becomes so, so, so important. Okay. It just becomes so important. And it's like, without it, you, you literally cease to exist. I mean, it's as if you don't exist, right? And so I think that that's, that's, that's a very hard part of all this, I think, for somebody to get over. And I think it's worth coming back to, even though we talked about it at the beginning of the episode, is that you, you, you know, here, here's a way I would look at it. If you're at all kind of in this world and you've been following what's going on, look at the fact that YouTube... Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, all of these platforms are beginning to literally pay people to create content on them. They're literally saying, hey, we're, I mean, this is not, this is not literal. So I should say that they're figuratively saying, hey, I've got a platform over here that I need more eyeballs on it. I need more users to come over to this platform. So I need people to create the reason for people to come over to this platform. So I need people creating content and making it attractive for other people to want to come over and look and see what's going on in this platform. So, you know, hey, if you make stuff on this platform and it goes viral and it hits a lot of people and it brings in a lot of attention, I'm going to pay you to do that. And I'm going to and I'm going to pay you because I want you to look at my platform as the place to go over another platform. So, for example, Instagram wants you to produce reels, and if you produce viral reels, they're going to pay you to do it so that you say to yourself, well, should I produce an, a, a, an Instagram reel or should I produce a TikTok video? Hey, Instagram is paying me a lot more money than TikTok, so I'm going to go produce a reel. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is almost like the Netflix uh, uh, problem, you know, or if problem is the right word. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys, you know, use or watch Netflix, but, you know, Netflix in the beginning, I think, if I remember correctly, was just more of a way to, uh, you know, I think it started off as like Redbox or something like that. I forget the, the original name of the company, or maybe they morphed from that company. But it was just like a way to just basically have like Blockbuster but, but in a downloadable format. Like, it, so it was just like, hey, let me just order this movie. Let me just order this movie. And I don't have to go to Blockbuster to get it. You know, I don't have to go walk into the store and walk out with the videotape. You know, I just kind of pull it down off the internet, right? But eventually, Netflix got to the point where it wanted to produce original content. It wanted people to spend more and more and more time consuming Netflix content. So as it made more and more money, it said, hey, filmmakers, movie makers, documentary makers come over to Netflix and make something here. You know, make something on this platform and, and, and we'll fund it and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll help you distribute your, your, your idea on our platform. So in order for the, the infrastructure, the platform, to bring eyeballs to that platform, it needs constant content creation, right? I mean, would anybody go to Netflix if, if, if suddenly there was like three movies there? No, you would watch those three movies, assuming you like them, and you'd leave, and you'd never come back, right? So it needs to constantly churn out entertainment for you to want to come back and watch Netflix and pay thirteen ninety nine or whatever it is now, 15 something a month, and they raise it every few months. Um, for you to pay that fee and want to keep coming back, there has to be new stuff there all the time, right? They have to constantly provide more content. They basically have the same problem that I'm talking about in this podcast, Right? And so bring it back over to social media, same deal. Instagram needs more and more content, so people choose Reels over TikTok. TikTok needs more and more videos, so people pick TikTok over Instagram. Do you understand what I'm saying? So so my whole point here is the trend is just decidedly moving towards production of content and the ability to arrest people's attention and keep it there, right? And so if you're not doing that, if you decide that's not necessary for you, well, you know, your business probably will work fine for a while. I mean, if, especially, you know, you say, hey, I got lots of word of mouth, uh, you know, uh, referrals coming in and stuff like that. Yeah, great. That'll keep some business flowing for you. But the idea that that's what's going to elevate or, or, or move your brand or your business up to that exalted level of existence where it doesn't, you literally don't have to, um, you know, uh, go into that selling cycle anymore and you can actually grow the business you know, because you could argue, hey, Chris, you know, if I'm getting word of mouth referrals, I don't have to do any selling there either. Totally understood. But the question is, how much can you scale? Your scaling is dependent upon people passing the word along. And even if lots of people pass the word along, I guarantee you, they cannot pass the word along as fast as you could pass it along on a network that has 2 billion users, on a platform that has 1 billion users. Okay, as I'm, you know, citing a couple off the top of my head, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and, and the type of numbers of people that are on those platforms. I don't care how many word-of-mouth referrals you get, you will not scale as fast as you can on a platform that reaches a third of the world's population. Think about that for a second. Okay, so if, if scaling is important to you, if, if passivity is important to you and nothing else, then sure, Go with the word of mouth because you don't have to you don't have to lift a finger, you don't have to worry about any of the things I talked about in this podcast, and your business will slowly over time, you know, continue to grow and add new clients and and you know succeed based on word of mouth only. And that means you can do zero selling. 
which by the way, not every business has that luxury, but if you do, then yes, you, you'll be in that category and you'll be fine. But if you say, yeah, Chris, that's not enough. I like the passivity, but I want to scale. I want the business to grow bigger, stronger, faster, whatever. And I want to be able to sort of extract myself from it. So I'm not the one punching in tax returns. I'm not the one devising financial plans that I've got a business that's, 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 that's thriving and doing those things sort of organically on its own. And I can sort of step outside that business and administer it and direct it and strategize it. And I can just leave a legacy. I can leave sort of an intellectual legacy behind that goes with that business. That intellectual legacy in particular happens through the constant publication of content. Okay, guys, so we've, we've kind of passed the 40-minute mark. It was kind of a big episode. I just want you guys to really think about this and really consider this. I know it's a little bit different. I mean, a lot of the people who probably listening to this podcast are saying, eh, not so sure about this. Even if they are avid smartphone users, even if they are avid internet devotees, this notion that you produce this much content, and you know, by the way, that's 64 that Gary put in his deck. I mean, you know, if it's 42, if it's 101, if it's three one day and 79 the next day, the number's not that important. What's important is the mindset shift that one seed, one piece of content, when used properly, is really more like 5, 10, 15, 20. Okay, that's the mindset shift. That's where you see things differently from a content production perspective. And you're not obsessed with brand new production value or high gloss production value. You're literally willing to just flip your smartphone camera on, talk to it for two minutes, publish that on seven different platforms, and boom, you have seven pieces of content. It's literally making that shift and saying, okay, Chris, I understand. I see, I see it differently now. I understand what you mean by, I understand what you mean by, by uh, you know, repurposing content and, and, and viewing the very definition of content differently. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up here, guys. I think, you know, this message on this podcast is one of the most important ones we will be putting out. So yes, I'll be returning to it. You will hear me talk about this more, more often than just this podcast, although this, I think, kind of serves as a foundation for future discussion about it. It's, it's something that I really encourage everybody I talk to as a business, anybody who's doing social media, is to really, really, really think about this and really try to view it from a different angle. Because I think once you do, you can't unsee it. You can't unsee the fact that, oh, wait a second, that one tweet I sent is actually seven pieces of content. Like, you know what I mean? Once you see that, you're not going to go back and say, no, nah, it's just one piece of content. Like, you're really going to be like, oh, my goodness, yeah, okay, maybe 64 a day is actually attainable. Because one round of effort is actually replicated four, five, six, seven times over. And that leverage, right, that proportionality and leverage really creates the ability to start, you know, being omnipresent on all these different platforms and all these different distribution channels. Okay, guys, so we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, really excited next week we get into the 40, the 40s for our episode. So next week we'll be publishing episode 40 and 41. Uh, and also can't believe we're about to turn the corner into March. So very quick first two months of 2022. Hopefully everybody's off to a great start this year with your business. And, uh, you know, as always, if you guys have questions about stuff, you want to talk more about this subject or some other subject, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can go through the transform.com website and you can contact us uh, straight through there. 
uh, through through a, a web inquiry form there. You can go over to Facebook and LinkedIn. You can drop us a note there, uh, message us, you know, drop a comment somewhere if you want to do it that way. Um, and of course, we really, really appreciate you guys liking, uh, sharing, uh, subscribing to the podcast. It just means the world to us. This is one of our pillar pieces of content that we use in, in lots of different ways and stuff. So, you know, absolutely, really, really appreciate you guys checking in here um, uh, on the podcast and uh, being devoted listeners to the podcast. Can't tell you how much that means to me personally as well. Uh, but I'm going to leave it at that, guys. Hope everybody has a great weekend, final weekend of February 2022. And uh, we will see you guys next week in March uh, with our next two episodes. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye.